All right. So how many of you, this is your first night in chapel this week? All right. Well, welcome to Wednesday night chapel. And um, we're glad you're here and glad you have your little alligators. And uh, Dr. Church, who is our speaker for this evening, will be telling you what this is all about. I'm assuming because he is the one who's handing them out. Uh, Dr. Church is the Vice President for Enrollment Management. And uh, prior to that, he served as uh, on the faculty and as the Director of the Advantage Program. And we're really pleased that he's going to be bringing us the word tonight. Let's stand together and prepare our hearts by reading responsibly. First Chronicles 16, verse 23 through 25, and then 28 through 29. I'll read the first slide, and then you read the response. Okay, ready? Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. John Farley, the worship pastor at Springs First Church of the Nazarene, and his son Trey, is going to lead us once again in worship tonight. Let's worship the Lord Lord God, maker of the universe and our Savior, we thank you for bringing us here tonight and allowing us to gather together in your presence. We pray that you would be here in our midst, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we listen to Dr. Church and the message he has to bring. Pray that you guide us and direct us in your ways. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you were here Monday night? How many of you were here Tuesday night? This past week, I turned 60 years old. I wasn't sure I would survive to that point in my life, but I have. And I got up that morning and looked in the mirror. I hadn't really been thinking about my birthday. And I said, who is that old guy in the mirror? And how did Paula let him in this house? <laughs> Last, uh, on Monday night, Dr. Graves spoke to us about learning to listen. And then last night, Dr. Like spoke to us concerning the idea of being in the middle between the familiar and the dream that God has for you. If you remember, the answer was quail. quail. The good thing about being a professor is that not only do you get to decide what the questions are, 
you also get to decide what the answers are. And tonight, the answer is not quail. The answer is alligator. What is the answer? Alligator. If you have your Bible with me, turn to the sixth chapter of John, a passage of scripture that I'm sure is familiar to all of you. John chapter 6, verse 16 through 21. We read these words. When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake. They got into a boat and were crossing the lake to Capernaum. It was already getting dark and Jesus hadn't come to them yet. Their water was getting rough because of a strong wind was blowing. When the wind had driven them out for about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the water. He was approaching the boat and they were afraid. He said to them, I am. Don't be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat and just then the boat reached the land where they had been heading. This is a fascinating story. It's one that captures our imagination maybe more than any other in scripture about Jesus walking on the water. We use it in our everyday life. We say, wow, that uh, Paula Church, she walks on water. She uh, teaches English and she fala portuguese and espanol. She walks on water. Uh, as of last week, I think it's true. She has put up with me for 19 years. And uh, so you can say she walks on water. Oh, and that Ron Attic, is he here tonight? 41 years teaching here at uh, NBC. I've been told that he's, with all the budget cuts and everything, he's done so much with so little for so long that he's now qualified to do something with nothing. <laughs> has something to do with why you've been advised to come to school here, I think. Um, hmm. And Dr. Lambright, he tells me that some of you think you walk on water. <laughs> so what is the context of, of this passage of scripture? Jesus has just performed a miracle and fed 5,000 people and he had lots of food left over, right? Uh, I'm sure that at the end of that, he told his disciples to get in the boat and go across the sea. And I don't know where they thought he was gonna be or how he was gonna catch up with them. But they get in the boat and they start across the water, right? Obedient to what God has called them to do. And wouldn't you know it, they get in the boat and get about halfway out and a storm comes up. Ever been there? Not sure what to do. You're halfway between where you have been and where you're going. It's something like last night, the in-between, right? 
it's almost as far to go back as it is to go forward. You don't know what to do and you're in trouble. And in this passage, John says from the uh, contemporary English Bible, I am, be not afraid. When we see that, bells and whistles ought to be going off in our head from our Old Testament classes, or maybe you haven't had those yet, so maybe yours aren't. But when we see that phrase, I am, it brings something to mind, right? What does it bring to mind for you? Well, for me, it brings to mind Moses. Um, he was called by God to lead the children out of bondage. Remember the children of Israel? And he isn't sure he wants to do that, right? So he asks God, when they say, who sent you? Who am I supposed to say? Of all the gods that there are, who am I supposed to say sent me? And the scripture says, God said, I am. All the gods of the world, I am. Have you ever worked hard and it seemed like you weren't going anywhere and you were in the middle and you were rowing for all you were worth, you were doing your best, uh, it was easier, to, it wasn't any easier to go back than it was to go forward? And you say to yourself, this is so difficult. Maybe I ought to just throw up my hands and go home. If you haven't been there, somewhere along the way, you, you are in the next couple of years while you're here. We have this question. Why is it that good people suffer? Why is it that children get beheaded? Why is it that I have to suffer. After all, I, I'm a child of the king. I came to NBC because he called me. I'm here. I shouldn't have to suffer. And the answer is alligator. What does that got to do with anything? Right? Well, we're getting there. I want to talk to you just a moment quickly about four reasons why you will suffer sometime during your passage from the familiar to what you are becoming here at NBC. First, we look in the Old Testament, we suffer because we disobey. Right? All of us, all of us have sinned. All of us have come short. All of us have consequences to that sin. There's a long list in the Bible, starting with Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. You probably know the story of David and Bathsheba. Story of Jonah. Lots of stories about those who suffer and when we suffer, one of the questions we ask ourselves is, am I suffering because of my disobedience? It is one of the causes for suffering, right? But that's not the answer. The answer is, 
alligator. So sometimes we suffer because we disobey, but that's not the only reason. And we say, God, I, I'm not disobedient. I'm trying to do my best. Monday, uh, Dr. Graves talked to us about not listening. I couldn't help but put this one up tonight. Uh, at least my wife could not complain that I never listened to her, right? And then Eve says, yes, but I used to be married to the perfect man. Yeah, whatever. Well, the second reason that we might suffer is because of actions by others. Remember, we start in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and they get kicked out of the garden. And then there's this story about Cain and Abel, right? Here's Abel doing everything right. He's, he's doing what God told him to do. And somebody else takes it out on him. Well, that's the reason for professors here, right? Exegetical papers, long nights, homework. Somebody else is causing you to suffer. When we suffer, we always ask, is it the result of disobedience? Or is it somebody else's fault, not mine? The third reason we might suffer is because of the law of physics, right? Remember Sir Isaac Newton and his apple? Oh, maybe you haven't had science class yet. Okay, you'll, you'll get there. Um, we may suffer because of just plain boneheaded, stupid things that we do, right? I'm not going to ask you to confess tonight. I, my list is so long that, uh, well, I'll tell you just one. Just, I mean, 60 years old, and I still, haven't, I still haven't learned. My wife and I have a little cabin, and I went up to, to trim the weeds last week, and I'm thinking, boy, she's going to like it around the patio if I get it nice and short. And sure enough, I picked up a rock and threw it through the windshield of my truck. Right? What a boneheaded, stupid thing to do. But it's the law of physics, right? I did a stupid thing and I have to pay for it. Yeah, the 300 bucks or whatever it is. But we suffer. But doesn't the scripture teach us that all those things work together for our good, right? But in the meantime, in the in-between, we suffer. Is it because of my disobedience? Is it the result of somebody else's actions or just because I'm boneheaded? No, the answer is alligator, right? The fourth reason and what I want to talk to you about tonight, we suffer, is different. It's not because of something we've done. Um, we can't determine what the cause is. There is no physical equation that we can write that says, I'm suffering this broken leg because I fell off the roof. But sometimes we suffer anyway. So we have this wonderful uh, Pentateuch. And in the first uh, book, we hear about uh, disobedience and suffering because of disobedience. And then we hear about... Uh, 
somebody else causing suffering. And then there are all these stories about, well, if the people of God will follow what God says and we follow the process, we will prosper. And when we don't and we get a bad king and we do bad things, we don't prosper, right? And all that makes sense. And for me as an engineer, I like that equation. All I have to do is keep my nose clean. I do the work I'm supposed to do. And my 401k is going to grow. And I'm going to retire rich. And everything's going to be nice, right? But then along comes this story of Job. Tell me what he did wrong. Right? He did well. He did good. He did what he was supposed to do. Now I'm convinced that the story is there to teach you and I a lesson that we aren't to be as dumb as his friends are. Right? When your friends are going through trouble, don't sit there and say, this is because you sinned or this is because you made a boneheaded decision. This is the law of nature. Sometimes it's something else, right? So don't be as stupid as Job's friends. In all of that, and we don't have time to go into that tonight, the only thing that I can see that Job learns is that a fresh view of God and the presence of God is worth more than all of the understanding. Chaos happens. Things happen to us. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the very first book of the Bible, we hear about uh, the... And Hebrew teachers can keep their ears closed here, but tohu and bohu, whatever this chaos is that was there before God started creating and forming and transforming the earth. But where did the chaos come from? It happens in our life. It was there from the beginning. And it's still there at some point in your journey here, in your success, in your becoming a graduate of NBC, you're going to be tempted to question God and demand answers from Him. God, I came here because you asked me to. And you provided the means and there's a miracle I can point back to and I know you called me and I know, but God, why is this happening? This isn't supposed to happen like this. Well, let's look in on the conversation with Job. The Lord speaks and Job answers. The Lord continued to respond to Job. Will the one who disputes with the Almighty correct him? God's instructor must answer him. Job responded to the Lord. Look, I am of little worth. What can I answer you? I put my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once. I won't answer twice. I won't do it again. The Lord answered Job from a whirlwind. Prepare yourself like a man. I will interrogate you and you will respond to me. Would you question my justice? Deem me guilty so that you can be innocent? Or do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with the voice like him? 
Adorn yourself with splendor and majesty. Clothe yourself with honor and esteem. Here at the end of Job, uh, God takes Job on a tour of the universe. And he says to Job, can you do this? Can you make this? Well, what about this? Well, how about this? Can you do this? And of course, Job comes to the answer that he can't. But Job still wants an answer, right? And God's answer to him, at the final analysis, he says, uh, have you seen my alligator? Chapter 41. Have you seen my alligator? That's, that's God's only answer to Job. Okay, so you didn't disobey me. Some of the stuff was caused by other people. You're a perfect man, you're upright, but all of these things happen. And guess what? My answer to you is, have you seen my alligator? You don't have a right to know. God is in charge here. God has brought you to NBC. He has called you. There are going to be suffering. There are going to be things that happen to you here that you would not choose to go through. But God knows what professor he needs to put in your life. You know, God loves people you don't even like. God has a plan and he has a purpose. And when we're in the middle of the suffering, we don't understand that. But at the end of the discussion, the way I see it, and maybe I'm wrong, but the way I see it, God says, have you seen my alligator? I don't have to explain to you. He doesn't have to explain to you. And I can tell you from... 60 years experience that at some point in time you'll be able to look back on this experience and smile about it. You'll be able to look back and say God was in that. There are things I needed to learn. I needed to grow. I needed to understand and that was just something to do with God's alligator. This passage in John is like that. The, uh, the disciples have been obedient to God and in their obedience they are going through a storm. And what do we learn out of that passage of John? Just like it is with Job. The presence of God is what is important. It's the being in relationship with God that's important. Yes, that test has some priority. It may make some difference in your life, but what's really important is that, that presence of God. And oh, by the way, it's just like it is with the disciples and the miracle that happens when Jesus comes alongside them and when they focus on him and they focus on their relationship with him, what's the scripture say? Suddenly they arrived at the land where they intended to be. I'm not sure about that miracle. It seems to me like that when I'm in proper relationship with God 
And when I'm in that communion, have you ever been in that zone? You know you're doing what you're supposed to do and it's not fun and all that. It goes by a lot quicker. And suddenly you're through it and you're on the other side. So what we learn here is that God is with you. Sometimes you will have suffering because of your disobedience. Sometimes you will suffer because other people. Sometimes it's a result of the process. Other times, it's just the alligator. In the process, we need to learn to listen, as Dr. Graves said to us. And in this in-between time that Dr. Light told us about, we need to remain obedient. And when we do that, this miracle happens. When you want to take Christ on board with you, then suddenly the boat reached the land where they were headed. Yes, you will suffer. Yes, you will have tribulations. But remember, God has the answer. The answer is... experiences stop by my office and tell me about it after you're gone send back those reports to your professor we know when you understand and you recognize that God's hand in your life that you're growing you're growing there's chaos all of us will experience it go in the grace and the peace of the one who controls the chaos be blessed. Thank you.